Good morning, everybody. So this morning we're continuing our difficult questions series, but in a little bit of a different format because there's five of us up here today, so it must be different. Um, so we're going to uh, start off by there's going to be that slide right there. And you're going to, uh, we have some questions up here that we're going to start with that you guys have asked over the last, what, six months, year. Um, But we're really excited to be able to take questions right now. Um, So you're going to text that number, 22333, and you're going to text MDirect to R057 to that number, and then that's going to get you, like, in on the chat, Um, and then you can send in questions, and uh, I will get them right here on my phone, and, you know, that'll be nice. It'll give me something to do with my phone other than just text while you all are talking to them. Um, uh, So we're going to go ahead. Well, you guys, uh, even if you don't have a question right now, it's a good idea to go ahead and get in the system because maybe... Something that's asked later will spur a question in you, and then you're already there. So while you guys are doing that, we're going to take a minute to just make sure everybody knows who everyone up here is, because I totally forgot to do that in first service. So, uh, yeah, uh, do you guys want to just... Can we introduce Yeah, ourselves? just introduce yourselves. Okay, well, yeah. I'm Pastor Dan. Yeah. Pastor Garrett. I'm Taylor. I lead the young adults community. Pastor Marta. And Jim Leahy. He's just wise. He doesn't have a title. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that's everybody. And uh, let's get started with a question that was written uh, beforehand while all those questions start rolling in. How should I pray for my enemy? I want to pray for justice to come down upon them. Is that wrong? Taylor showed me this question before worship, which is why I'm going to be able to start so quickly. Um, so about five or six years ago, I was preaching on forgiveness and I went down front and a, and a, and a woman stopped me. I don't know that I've ever seen her other than this one Sunday. And she said, um, many years before that she and her nine year old son had been kidnapped and they were taken to a house by a gang of men and put into separate rooms and, and she and her son were sexually assaulted over a period of three days um, for some reason, the men just released them at the end of the three days. And uh, whatever had happened to her son, he suffered a traumatic brain injury in that room and could never uh, leave her care again. So whatever we're going to say about f- forgiving or praying for enemies needs to be something I would say to her. Or it doesn't hold enough water to be real. All right, so I'm not talking about somebody posts something on Facebook all the time. It makes you mad. That's not your enemy. That's somebody you need to unfollow for your own sanity. All right? So, managed. Let's talk about your enemy. Um, first of all, there are many prayers, exactly like what she's praying for, that I want justice to come down upon them. Many prayers in the Psalms. I pray a Psalm every morning as part of the spiritual order that I'm a part of. And I'm surprised how many prayers there are like this. I pray them because that's what I'm bound to do. Um, So they are there. God has, by his inspiration, put them into the book. That When you have enemies, pray my justice will come down upon them. Sometimes the language is quite violent. So I'm not going to supersede scripture and say, oh, you should just read past those. 
I pray them. Let me tell you two things that happens. Number one is that you have all that emotion pent up whether you know it's there or not. And it's destroying you. That woman who came down front, she was asking me, how can I forgive? She said, I know I need to forgive because it's destroying me. If she's able to know that, then we, we all can know that, right? If she's able to get there, then we can get there. And so when I spill those emotions out, then now it's out and God can deal with it because I'm being honest with him. I really hate this person and I wish something bad would happen to them. Now God begins to do something different in that because some of those prayers say crazy things like, God, I've never done anything wrong. Well, as soon as I pray that, I'm like, well, (laughs) okay. I start to gain perspective, right? Here's another thing that happens when you pray that prayer, especially when you're in the heat of it. Imagine if our country was at war and we were being dragged away like the Israelites who prayed that were. You know, Babylonians putting uh, rings through your nose to the rings of the nose of the next person, marching you out. Oh, and here's your cousin's head. You're going to carry that on this 14-day hike. When you pray those prayers, you're saying, God, I want you to bring justice, and you're giving up that you're going to bring it and that you're going to exact revenge yourself. And that's a tough prayer. That's not an easy prayer. So you would like to just bring revenge yourself, but you're putting it in God's hands, knowing that he can righteously deal out justice. And we need justice in our world. You know, don't let the persecutors of the world convince us that the church ought to just love everybody so much that we let the persecutors go on persecuting and, you know, aw shucks. That's not how the scripture is written at all. So I encourage, yes, I would encourage someone to pray those prayers, and I encourage them to pray them from the Psalms. There's something about that language that gets all those things done that I'm describing. It happens to me. Many times I end that prayer saying, Lord, I really don't have any real enemies compared to what some people deal with. I'm just kind of angry and I need to go talk to somebody. Some of you may have an enemy more like this woman has. And That's I encourage those prayers to you. Yeah, I like that. It's great. That's really good. Cool. That yeah. feels like pretty solid stuff, to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, you know, while we're there, let's let's stay in this kind of, uh, I guess, emotional place or whatever, and, and hit this one um, before we move on. Of how do you explain to a young child how sometimes God heals those who hurt others and not those who are good? I'll take this question if I can. Um, I, I, I. I actually had this conversation the other day with someone who asked, and it's similar to this, but asked, why does not God just make it good for all Christians and not have anything bad happen to them? No cancer, no sickness, no illness, none of those things, so that the world could see possibly that Christians are blessed and have it better. And I thought about that, and I thought, look, okay, let's, let's go down that road. What if Christians had no problems? I love Christians. I love all of y'all. But I have a little doubt in my mind that we would handle that really well. (laughs) Would we then turn around and do exactly what we should be doing when we're blessed, which is blessing others? Would we become prideful? How would that work in the world? that Christians would never, ever have anything wrong with them. And I'm not sure if that's actually getting to this question, 
but I just trust that God knows what he's doing in a situation, that he knows what's going on in the bodies. I know he knows every cell in our bodies. He knows every hair in our heads. I know two people have passed away this week, and one was tragic and one was a long illness. And I cannot imagine at what point God makes those decisions, but I know that he makes them and it's not us. If I've learned anything about the Christian life, being a pastor and being involved in people's lives, we are not in control. We are not, and we don't want to be. We really don't want that. Yeah, there's one thing I add to that too, is that uh, a lot of times we miss uh, how transformative suffering can be. It, it can, it can correct us. It can strengthen us. Uh, it, it can be very transformative if we will, if we will uh, lean into it. And I mean, this is hard, okay? But I mean, I know it, it, there's been some hard times in my life that's changed my life and made me a better person. You can go either way with it. It, it. You really can. There's no doubt about that. But if you if you hold on to God, look at I mean, look at Jesus' life. <laughs> okay. He showed us the way on how to suffer, and His life transforms us. And so you know, it's part of the human plight. Would we be would we be human if everything would be perfect? You know, think along those lines. But but don't discount the value that you know some tough times can do for you. It's counterintuitive because we don't want pain. I mean, who, that'd be really masochistic to want pain or to want the suffering or to all those things. That's not what the Christian life is trying to say. At the same time, it is part of the world that we live in until we are home with Him. Until we're home with Jesus, we live in a world that is not yet perfect, or not, and, and, and we will live in pain. So the question isn't, why is there pain, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And I think it challenges us to think about, and again, this, I mean, this can come across as a cheap answer if you just like give it to somebody in the midst of their hurting, but as believers, we have to, I think, ask ourselves, how truly do we actually, like, how, how deeply and completely and wholly is God going to redeem things and make things right? Like, in, in, the long, in, in that long kind of view with God, like, well, could it be possible that God could so completely and wholly redeem and make things right and restore things that we'll actually be thankful for everything that happened in the end? Because... Things are so restored and redeemed and made right. I don't know. It's, it's a question to struggle with. It's not an easy answer, but it's something to sit with. Um, okay, so we've had a couple of questions show up about this, so I'm going to pick one of them. If the Bible states when, you divor- when, when divorced and you enter another relationship, you are committing, oh, I'm sorry, I started on the wrong one. Um, if, if there is free will in heaven, is there free will in heaven? If yes, then won't sin be possible in heaven? If no, and free will is, uh, and free will and true choice is taken away in heaven, 
then why couldn't God have just made things that way in the first place? Could, could I be a cheater and say that I just preached on that last Sunday and just okay. refer that to the podcast from last Perfect. Sunday? See how well they listen because they asked the question, yeah. Garrett, because it's fresh in their brain. They've been living with it all week long. You've changed their life. You're brilliant. That's that really was, good. Perfect. I was working. Someone needs services. to text him something so, encouraging awkward. to Garrett right now. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, then the other one that I started on was also, uh, you know what? It might have also been, I was working last week, both services. So yeah, I don't want to hear the answer. Sure, sure. Okay. Sure. You want to hear? Yeah. Okay. Like the, give me the free will. The give like, us the 49 second version. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the 42nd version is that the free will does exist um, because that's what allows us to love God. And for there to be love in the, in the kingdom of God, there will be free will. How will sin not enter in? Because our free will is perfected um, in the new kingdom to its one purpose, which was to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yep. That's, that's good. Cool. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 9. Very Calvinistic. (laughs) Won't we be sad in heaven when we find the people that we love aren't there? (laughs) I think think scripture... So there are a lot of questions about what about this in heaven and what about that in heaven. And I'm trying to get to the heart behind it. Mm And I think the heart is, is that right now we feel very, very sad about people who we think are not going to be there. And I've reconciled my whole thought on this and that, and it could be off. So I'm readily, to, I'm readily admitting that I don't know what's going to happen in heaven. And I think there's very little in scripture that says exactly this is going to happen. But I think the heart is, is that we want real certainty that we're not going to feel pain because that's emotional pain to think that we love someone that's not going to be with us forever. And, and that is like so counterintuitive to faith. And, and we're trying to build faith here. And so I'm getting real broad here. And, and the only scripture I can go to is the one that says there'll be no crying. There'll be no tears and there'll be no pain in, in heaven. And so those are the ones that I cling to to think, well, I don't know how that's going to work out, and I trust and have faith in God that that's going to be that way. Now, whether that means we'll recognize our loved ones or we won't or all those things, those are really unclear in Scripture, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe from a heaven and hell perspective, you know, it isn't so much that heaven will be full of the faithful and hell will be full of doubters. I think hell will be more full of regretters and and the people of faith will be simply people who have accepted and have peace and know the one thing you know what I mean and uh, I think that starts now you don't want to live a life of regret you know what I mean you want to live a life of um, acceptance the good and the bad and the ugly you know and do the right thing as much as it's within you and capable of doing and then grace for the rest. But, yeah, life of regret, you know, man, that can trap you into your own hell right now, sitting around living a life of regret. So don't cave into that. 
be free. The only alternative would be to have those folks have thrust upon them an eternity they said they didn't want. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just me trying to exercise some sort of control over them so I won't have to be sad. That's, I, I can let that go. We could tell you some certain answers, guys, and I think that it, a lot of questions and in, in that certainty thing, but um, I think it's more honest to say we don't know some things. Yeah. And to have hope in the goodness of God, because we don't know. So who knows? And live as if now that, that we are living in that hope and that Jesus has come to redeem us all. And now we're here for a reason, and that's to help others. Um, know that word as well. Even though I know God is still there and still loves me, I feel disconnected from God emotionally since the loss of a loved one. What are some ways that I can reconnect with God emotionally rather than just leaning into the knowledge because that doesn't seem to be enough? Just read the whole question again. Yep, one more time. Even though I know God is still there and still loves me, I feel disconnected from God emotionally since the loss of a loved one. What are practical ways that I can reconnect with God emotionally rather than just leaning into knowledge? Can folks who have been through this just answer this one? I can. Um, I think you have, you have, this is going to be, they're going to laugh at me, but you have to stay. You have to stay put. And you have to get up every morning and you have to make the decision to read God's word, to be involved in community, to keep doing the things that allow you to connect with God and the spiritual practices that have been known to help others connect with God. And even though it's not helping you connect with God at that moment, um, you're building a practice that at some point you can maybe look back on that time where you felt disconnected. This is not abnormal. First of all, no, you're not abnormal. Absolutely. This is a very normal stage in spiritual life to feel disconnected from God. But you have to stay in that faith and know that God is still there. If you know God is still there, then keep working towards doing that. Get up every morning. Make your bed. Go call, call a friend. Do those things that um, used to reconnect you with God. A lot of ways, it's like a lot like marriage. You know, after a while, it's not as sexy as it used to be. <laughs> I don't have any kids in here, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> it's not as embarrassing, at least. But, you know, you have to stay in it and, and have faith that the reconnection will happen at some point. And ask people who've been there before. Yeah, don't do it alone. And, you know, if, if, if you want to get back into uh, whatever uh, rhythm that you had uh, before or whatever, uh, seek out a spiritual director. Get a recommendation from staff for a spiritual director to help you co-discern and work through it, you know. Uh, when you experience loss, uh, I mean, you're going to have the empty feeling. That is, I mean, that's what makes us a good human being is we feel the emptiness of a loss. It's a sign of love Yeah, that you've lost. Yeah, but get how, I mean, you know, see, you know, don't try to do it alone, you know. I mean, uh, I, I recommend seeking a spiritual director to help you co-discern and work through it. Kathleen Norris isn't coming in, but she has a really good book on this. So if you guys email me, I read all her books because we were going <laughs> to. 
short interview, but, and I lost one, as you all know, but um, <laughs> I did read them all, and she actually speaks a lot about it. So there are, if you're readers, I know sometimes it's hard to read when you're in that stage, though. So, But if you are, email me. I'll send you those links. I'd just simply add on, if it's been within one year of a loss or some tragedy, all you do is just hang on by your fingernails. Every day is a shock, and you've got to get past the first anniversary at least before you gain any kind of perspective. And I'll throw in one other thing. Of I found that in, in my times of feeling really distant from God, prayer became very, very hard because uh, I found that I couldn't mean the things that like, I, I just couldn't spontaneously come up with these things that I wanted to say because they didn't feel real. Um, and pre-written prayers became a huge... They, they helped me get through and connect to God because uh, they gave me the words that I wanted to mean um, that couldn't come out of me spontaneously. The words that I wanted to mean is your title of your first book. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, okay. What if you repent and fall again and again and again? Does God keep forgiving again and again and again? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was time for an easy one. <laughs> yes. yes, and. Yes, and. This, uh, all this is so, you're not going to believe this. But God may be actually making this happen to you. Because he's been trying to get your attention about something else that you've stuffed down deep. And the fact that you keep messing this up over and over again. And now you're desperate. Now you're going to ask him to help you with this. And he's going to go, okay, here's what I want for help. I want you to write down every bad thing that ever happened in your life. Now he's starting to find that and fish it out. You'll come to thank God for all these relapses you had if you begin to really open up to him because then he begins to analyze it. Well, why do you keep doing that? You're always doing this three days before you do that. It's about this. It's about, I don't know what it's going to be for you. Anger, resentment, fear, doubt. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And that's what he really wants to get at. You'll come to thank God for all these relapses. If you'll go ahead and courageously enter into a journey to face them and, and say, God, I want you to find what is the root. You want him to fix this. But C.S. Lewis says God's like a dentist. You go because you have pain. But once he gets in there, he says, you know, there's a lot in here that needs some work. <laughs> and that's why we don't go to God. But that's the only way we're going to be healed. When it finally hurts so bad that you'll do anything he says. We're all repeating the patterns of our life, both good and bad patterns. That's just the fact. You just may not know it. So Mercy Street, Saturday nights at 530 is where you start into that. How's that going to help? Well, everything you've been doing hadn't been helping. So just show up and do what it, they say to do. And after six weeks, see what's happened. If you knew how to fix it, you'd already fixed it. So go and obey. Um, what are thoughts on a statement that I heard from a Muslim once 
that we are sister religions, that we both worship the same true God. They said they do it correctly and we do it incorrectly. Um, so then the flip of that, would, it, would we say the same thing, that we're sister religions and we worship God correctly and they do incorrectly, or what would we say? Well, if we're sister religions, you know, those family systems, they're always kind of messy. You know, I mean, you got weird Uncle Harold over there that everyone's trying to avoid. So, you know, yeah, if we're, I mean, we are all uh, monotheistic. Uh, so, I mean, we come out of that same area over there in the Middle East. So we have that going on. I still contend, uh, from my just personal opinion, is that the God of the Bible, the, the one overwhelming thing about the God of the Bible is the relationship. Mm-hmm. And... uh People would like to turn Christianity and even Judaism into some sort of moralizing black and white, you know, legal structure uh, about who's in, who's out, who's right and who's wrong. And I just keep seeing this sometimes really trashy relationship between the Israelites and God and, and for that matter, just going on into Christianity and you and me. I don't see that as much in Islam. I see much more of a moralistic and black and white and um, it feels more like religion to me, and uh, that's my opinion of it. And uh, I like the relationship one. I like the God of the Bible. I I have to. I mean, I'm going to do the Sunday school answer. Jesus, you know, we read the scriptures and from the Gospels. I think we read Luke this year on Good Friday, and and you have to do. You have to decide. Yeah, he, he asked the question. Who do you say I am? Am I the Messiah? You know? And so you have to ask that question about who is saving you and who is the person of Jesus? Is he a prophet? Is he a Messiah? Who is he? And and I think that's where we'll have a marked difference between the two religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't know, I feel like in, in that, like in in Islam, God would never become a man. He would never lower himself so much and he would certainly never die and I think I've come to a weird point where I need a God who's willing to die um, now I know several Muslims who are good friends and excellent people and I think I might be willing to go with like the Eastern Orthodox Church especially around the time that Muslim was rising, uh, Islam was rising up and the, the church was officially asked to say like declare them like they are not in any way, shape, or form, worshiping the the true God incorrectly, with like anything like that, and they would go, uh, I don't know if I'm going to answer that. Um, and I think I'm pretty content with that answer, with the caveat that I need a God who's willing to die. Um, what is God's word on abortion? How does Lakeland feel about this? Um, and then all of the many, when does life begin, conception, birth, like, I mean, all of those, a child is a choice, can a Christian be pro-choice, they're kind of all bundled in here, so I'll let people just kind of take whatever piece of that question. What was the first, like the, what was the first part yeah. of that? What is worship? No, what is abortion? Oh, abortion. <laughs> yeah, what is God, no, those, yeah, that's different. Um, what's God's word on abortion? I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give you my thoughts on that. Uh, I think that uh, the sanctity of life is 
pretty much important to God as creator. And uh, the, I mean, if you've experienced that, of course God still loves you, you know. You're not thrown out of the kingdom. But, and then this is a very much a personal opinion, okay, because they're going to say, can you be pro-choice? I think that was part of the question, okay? Uh, I'm pro-life, all right? 100%, I would encourage no one to have an abortion, okay? But I'm not so certain that I want abortion uh, criminalized. In, in our country for one specific reason. Everyone makes a mistake, and abortion's a mistake. But I don't want anyone have to be forced in an hour of desperation and without uh, finding the right people to help them in their decision, go to a bad place have a botched abortion, and die of infection, which was the case for many, many, many years in our world. And so I think as the church, instead of fighting, fighting for some type of legislation to outlaw it, we should be working to change things so people don't have to and encourage people and provide the means and, and whatever is necessary for people to make a better choice and understand the sanctity of life without punishing those that make the bad mistake and that let them get the infection, if you know what I mean. So that's, that's totally just me. Marty, you probably should sound off. You're the only female yeah, up here. Yeah, I could. I think this is a, f a women's issue. It's a strong women's issue, and I think, you know, it's become really politicized, and that's the difficult thing. It's become a political issue, and so I think um, in all of my life and women that I know who have had abortions, and, and let's be honest, the women are the ones that pay the price on this. Like, men have also hurt and, and women having abortions, but m women endure the shame. And so um, I think what we have to be really careful about is, is making sure that these are people that we're talking about and babies and that there is a feeling in some ways, not always, of the church for Christians to come up with solutions and strategies on unwanted pregnancies. I know people who have invested their lives in foster care and in adoption. I know people who have invested their lives in doing what would be helpful to women. And those are the things that we should focus on as a church, is how are we helping strategize women and helping women in making decisions that would be really, really, really better for them and better for them in the long term and for the child. So those then become political issues and then it's difficult for the church to talk about because we want to remain unified on this. So there's a lot of layers. We don't really have a whole lot of time on that. But I will just start by saying I don't know any woman who has said, 
you know, I want an abortion. That's really something that I really am going for today. You know, I think it's very, very, very difficult and complicated. And as much as the church in Lakeland has a stance on the sanctity of life, we have to understand what the complications are, both for after and for before and during the process, because there's so much shame revolved around it. We don't have a good conversation on it. I really love the work of the Rachel House here in Lee Summit. They uh, help uh, folks with financial assistance if that's what they need. They do a lot with parenting classes, feeling empowered to be able to raise your family. They do it also for the fathers who very often just disappear from the picture, but the Rachel House will bring them in, help try to create a family uh, attachment to a church. I really like the work they've done, especially in the last few years. What Lakeland could really use is someone from our congregation to be a liaison, to volunteer there and be a member here and let us know what's going on between the two organizations um, so that we can work together in this. So if you have a passion for this issue, I've been praying for someone with a passion for this to be our liaison, the way we have liaisons to many other ministries, right? And um, to support that work, it's happening right here in our community. It's very strong. We just don't have a connection to it. And... um, Perhaps one of you could be could be called to do that. So um, we would like that. Statistically, if you st- the statistics are very high on people who have had um, an aborted child, men and women. Almost seventy percent of the church. So you know someone, if you know somebody in this church that has had to make this difficult decision. So just think in terms of that and how to to help and and move this problem along. Thanks, guys. How about this one? Um, Is America a Christian nation? Should it be? And is a secular constitution better for government than rule by the Bible? Okay, next one. We want something about aliens or something. Okay. (laughs) These are are hard. (laughs) Are we we really going to skip that? What's the question? No, we're not going to skip it. After this, I want a tater ball. Okay. Is America a Christian nation? Should it be? Is Is a secular constitution better for government than rule by the Bible? Well, here's what I always thought about this subject. Okay. I want a nation of Christians, not a nation that says it's Christian. And I think that's the major difference. If you know, if you follow on there, we are much better to be a nation of Christians. That feels pretty, pretty good to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, here we go. What does the Bible say about tattoos? Old Testament versus New Testament. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> the only verses that we can trace to possibly meaning tattoos are in Leviticus, in which it says, you know, you shouldn't scar or mark your skin. Um, most probably uh, that was linked to religious practices. We know the Egyptians did this. They would ritually scar or mark themselves. This showed devotions to pagan gods and, um, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And so uh, if your tattooing or scarring is to show some sort of devotion to something other than God, then the Bible would say, uh, don't do that. You'll live to regret all tattoos, especially ones dedicated to pagan gods. But um, for the other ones, I don't think, I don't really think the adornment style tattoos is really something scripture speaks to. I'll just say picture yourself at 80 with that. And if that still does Would you it like for to you, see ours? go ahead. Dan, you go first. <laughs> 
And on that note, we're out of time. <laughs> I think we should all get tattoos at Lakeland. Oh, that'd be fun. Real cheesy ones. Ones that we regret about six months later. Do you think it'd take that long? I don't know. Depends on how many beers we drink before we get them. So. This turned bad right yeah, at the end. Didn't it? Didn't it? Anyway, love the Lord be with you. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, the older I get, the more I see, when I see really cool tattoos, especially like sleeves and stuff, I'm like, that's really neat looking. I, sorry, that's just my opinion. I think okay. sometimes they start looking really cool. Other I'm times, there's really cheesy tattoos, and I'm like, I'll probably get one eventually. I don't know. Keep thinking about it. All right. Go to a reputable <laughs> place. Just say else <laughs> don't Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all. Uh, and if you're a minor, obey you whatever your parents are telling you about this. All right. Um, thank you all for your questions. Um, thank you for making a congregation where questions are allowed. And where we hang together. Everybody probably heard something today that made them squirm a little bit. I certainly did. Um, but uh, but um, we can come together and trust that God is going to hold us together. And God is going to guide us all toward truth. And God is going to perfect us all. You know, the fun thing, and I think after the wedding feast of lamb breaks up, we'll be like, so what's surprising you most about this place? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was totally wrong about that part. <laughs> You know, Moses doesn't stutter at all. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're all going to have things we're right and wrong about. So, um, and uh, thanks, Taylor, for moderating, and, and thank you all for, for being up here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.